You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 29. And today we're talking about how you can stop your customers buying on autopilot so they choose you instead. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley, and I work with thought leaders and experts to help them double their income, their freedom, and their impact to create a business and a life they love. From my business background of 25 years, I've learned there are three key areas to growing a successful business, your mindset, your talents, and the people you surround yourself with. Here in the Business Lab, we'll interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I am super excited to be bringing you today's featured guest, Simon Lamy from The Brain Wheel. Now, he helps startups and small business owners interrupt customers' brains so they can buy from you instead of buying from the same old competition. It's a great conversation. This episode is packed full of value bombs. So let's just dive straight into today's episode and welcome into the Business Lab, Simon Lamy. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Simon. It is so wonderful to have you join us today. Well, thank you very much for letting me join. And uh, it's really nice to say from hello up here in the UK as well. So yes, absolutely. Nice and bright and early in your part of the world, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. The blackbirds are singing and hardly any traffic's on the road. So yeah, it's definitely nice and early. (laughs) Nice. I like it. All right. Well, I'm really excited to be diving into today's topic with you, which is the brain wheel approach, which we're going to touch on, which we're going to touch on. But before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is you do and the kinds of clients that you work with? Yeah, of course. So I have um, I have a business. Yes, it's called it's called the Brain Wheel, and actually a little bit of history um, to it really helps set the context. So I, I I've worked in marketing and advertising agencies up in London for for many you know many years, like fourteen or so years. And uh, it was a bit of a lifestyle change that, that I wanted was to actually be near my family and stop this very tiring commute. Um, and it sort of doubled up with um, the idea for the brain wheel where I saw this sort of big wild west of online marketing advice going on. You get some really great people, obviously, like yourself giving you know terrific advice, but there's, there's some very dodgy people out there. And I kind of wanted to work for a lot of small businesses and startups that I was meeting to kind of set it right. And um, one of the biggest problems I found was that people were consistently seeing their like competitors um, choosing them over the competition. In fact, it started with a little meeting in one cafe with one person <clears throat> and she pointed down the road and she said to me, why are, why are my customers buying from going to those guys and not to me? And I've been in business for ages and, you know, she did better work. So there was this big problem that I saw, you know, why is it that people, you know, do better work than the competition yet the clients still go to the competition and um and i just felt there all this there's a there's a lot of sort of very click baity click funnel you know i'll make you rich tomorrow schemes out there mm-hmm. and um and i felt that she was a sort of customer and many other customers were paying a lot of money to fall for this sort of um advice and uh, you know having spent you know many years working with real rigor and marketing science and seeing what really works and what doesn't um i, I felt it was wrong so i i set up the brain wheel um, to, to do that, to help people get chosen and noticed for the, the great work that they really do. 
and to get customers to buy them more, you know. Yeah, and I love that because one of the reasons I do what I do, because I was seeing people, coaches, consultants, anyone that's in the service-based industry, you know, the people that I hang around with are super smart. And I was getting frustrated because they were so much better than their competitors, but then their customers or their prospects was choosing their competitors over them. And it wasn't because their competitors were necessarily better. And in actual fact, most of the time it was the opposite, which is why, you know, when you, you came under the ra- uh, into my radar, I was like, wow, I love this. The brain <laughs> wheel and the, and the hamster and I'm sure you're going to jump into this. So the brain wheel is kind of like a pattern interrupt, isn't it? Mm, that's that's exactly right so the idea is if you obviously go to go to the website you'll see a little hamster on on the wheel and the idea is that when when um you know when we buy especially when we go into a supermarket at a weekend but it also happens you know when you're buying a car where the decision making process is a lot longer you have this you tend to buy an autopilot so you know the bigger you are the more often you actually get bought it's a law called the double jeopardy law uh funnily enough in marketing science it's really interesting so the bigger you are the more often you get bought and the smaller you are the less often you get bought it just comes down to trust and familiarity and when people buy they you know the idea is that they just buy an autopilot a bit like a hamster going around in your brain on a little wheel and it's and you know how do you interrupt people how do you interrupt customers and actually stop buying the same packet of chips or crisps or whatever you might call them and actually pay attention to, to you you know how do you stop people buying from that familiar car brand because you know it so well but how do you get them to pay attention to you especially if what you do is much better than the old familiar competition and um you know it is a, it is a real um issue and um i mean for me i have a, a five-stage program that's really built and um, honed and adapted from you know for my my time in working with big and small brands as well. And there's a lot of consistency with what with what works and is built on, you know, marketing science. But I think the biggest place for me is that if you don't have a big unconventional idea that can take on take on the, the competition, uh, that can, you can make you really stand out, it's very difficult to actually put money behind advertising, put time and effort into producing events, webinars, you know, podcasts, and, you know, whatever media channels you use, unless you have the great idea first, whichever channel you use afterwards, you know, that, that will help propel you or it won't help propel you if you don't have that great unconventional idea. So I really push clients to try and be as unconventional as possible. And that's, that's working quite well. So the brain wheel approach, we can use this mm. to have our customers choose us. I'd mm. love you to take us through this and let's yes. deep dive into these five stages. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I mean, the, it's, it's a whole, the whole program is, the whole system, if you like, is built around a tree, believe it or not, a tree that's nine and a half thousand years old. Uh, it's it's called the Tijoko tree, and it's it's actually it's in um it's in Finland, and this this tree has has got the, such deep roots, and it has adapted and thrived and survived um, over many years over ice ages, and it's still alive, you know, today in two thousand and eighteen. And there's a great analogy between it surviving. And also, you know, your your business as well. So it starts with the idea, the whole program starts with this idea of fuel. You need to have the right fuel in your business. Simon Sinek might call it your why. But actually, for me, it's like you start with you. You don't start with the customer. Because when anybody started out a business, you don't actually think about the customer. You think what you want to do. This is what I want to do. And I think that's the number one place to start. So that's the stage one. I call it the fuel stage. And when you when you get your fuel, you understand, um, you know, what's what's wrong with the competition, what you want to change and how you're going to do it. And that's really getting your uniqueness there and how you're really going to prove that to people and to bring it to life. 
mm-hmm. and and then so the stage two is actually very is very similar to the this Tojoko tree is that you really need to have roots and uh, and those three roots for me are you need a really deep customer route you really um, for me I find it's great to have a customer route where you look at your total market you identify a few segments. And then like PayPal did when they launched, they had um, they identified one really great segment of customers who were eBay sellers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they focused on that one segment and then they actually paid these eBay sellers to promote their products, <laughs> sorry, to use their PayPal service. And then they got famous. And so what I get people to do is to go from their wide market, to choose a segment, to choose an ideal segment, and then actually one ideal customer. So I call it an extremely attractive customer or um, it's a bit like if you go to Adidas Originals, they have a, a user profile or user image. It's a very similar process to that. You go and talk to that one person and then you go back out to, te- you write your copy, you make your product, and then you go back out to the second set, to your wider segments again, and then test it with a wider market. Mm. But I find that it's a zoom. You go from wide to, to narrow and narrow and narrow to wide. And that's the customer route. Um, and then that's a really deep, important route to get right. And then you have your product route, which is having a great product, of course, and you go and test that, which overlaps a bit with the, with the product route, sorry, with the customer route. And then the third one is your brand one. And the brand route is so important. Not only do you need things like, um, you know, great visual identity, you need to understand what your tone of voice is. There are many layers to a brand as well. Um, you need to understand the layers that, about your brand, about capturing even boring things like testimonials, why people like you case studies so there are many layers to this brand route but you have three routes and when you have those routes you're then ready to do your site because you've got all the ingredients you've got all these ingredients from the roots and your fuel built up and then you've got then you can almost plug it into your site and put it onto your sales page which is i call the trunk and just before, like when any, i'm just going to stop you there before we get to the sorry, trunk yes. let's just no cool yes. it's just the segment i'm really interested in this mm. do you find that there's a lot of people that are afraid mm. to choose a segment Oh, hu- hugely. Um, and it's pos- probably the, 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 the biggest um, mistake I think you can make. I mean, for defining why you're doing it and getting your uniqueness is one. But secondly, the, um, yeah, just thinking you want to target the whole market because, you know, you can't. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working with one client at the moment who's, who's wonderful, who's trying to go cover the whole, I can't, it's, um, I can't really divulge too much at the moment because she's just launching and I'm, you know, I wouldn't want to sort of publicly name no. it, but she's basically, she's kind of, if you can understand, she's a wonderful client and I highly respect her. Yes. So, um, <laughs> but you know the idea where you're trying to target the whole mar- whole market, but actually you don't actually get really get any traction at all. Yeah. Um, you can't, and the, the biggest thing for me is when you choose a segment is you have, you're able to test your small idea on a, to a small group of people and get it wrong on a small scale rather than rush it out into the market. And I know there's a tendency for minimum viable product, minimum viable products and to just to launch it and, you know, test and adapt on the way down. But I, I think testing on a small scale with a small segment, you really get to understand how your product actually works, not just how you thought it would work, but how it really works. And then also you, you get these great testimonials back as well. And you need those testimonials when you've got something new to actually put on your site to be credible. So yeah, I'd, I agree, you know, have one segment and I'm, I'm a bit controversial. I like to push people to choose, have one user image and one customer to represent that entire segment. Yeah, totally. No, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Is that I, I cringe when I ask people, oh, you know, who's your who's your ideal client or your ideal market? Say, oh, it's everyone, and you just know that <laughs> is oh, it's just the most the most scary. Oh, not scary, but you know, yeah. I hear that and I cringe and I think, oh no, like 
when you market to everyone, you're really marketing to no one because no one mm. hears that. So do you have any tips for people that might be listening that all of a sudden have just had an aha and thought, oh, I am marketing to everyone because my product can help everyone, which is tricky mm. because as entrepreneurs, we generally can help everyone. But what are some tips that you can give people that have had that aha moment on how to choose a segment? Because it can be quite scary for some people to go, no, this is just that that one segment that I'm going to be marketing to. Mm, that's, a, that's a really good question. I, for me, it's about a segment who will use your product a lot. Mm-hmm. Because when you, so for, if I take the PayPal example, actually, I think it's in Peter Thiel's, um, but you know, um, zero to one. Mm-hmm. And he, he has a really great case study where he says it perfectly, where they, they started with eBay, eBay um, sellers because eBay sellers are highly, you know, they use they'll use something like PayPal a lot mm-hmm. and it's 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 true I mean if you I mean if you have um you know, I'd say you're opening a coffee shop for example or something like that you'll want to you know you'll you might want to just to target commuters or something going on mm-hmm. going to the going to the train every day but people who I'm just trying to think of examples of you know at the top of my head but if you find somebody who can use your product a lot I think that's a very good idea so for example with my with my business I have a very sort of niche sort of very niche area with my target audience it's actually funny enough it's in england but it's really in the southeast of england around london and outside of london because for me that's what i need it's all i need and i can and i know these people will use me a lot because i know them because mm-hmm. there's you build up this rapport and this connection and also when you have this defined segment they talk to themselves they sort of they they tell each other hey you should check this guy he's really good because they're kind of their own little community so it could be a geographical community it could be attitudinal but these people are kind of like to use the word tribe you know they know each other as well so they can spread that word and then you have a really nice sort of hotbed of people who like and use your product Uh, and then you can go outwards from there but yeah rushing into a wide market means you're just spreading your message too thin and there's not enough chance for people to to talk to each other Totally. And I'm getting the, um, the idea from what you're saying is that not only then are you choosing that, that deep segment, but it's a lot easier to hone your product in. So if we've got a customer route and a product route, making sure that the product is specifically mm. and super targeted towards that, that, one, that one client. That's absolutely right. I mean, for example, I've, I work with a technology, um, sorry, it's, a, it's actually a marketing agency, funnily enough, and they do B2B technology, um, which sounds really, which sounds very niche and a bit boring. But what they've done is they focused on not just marketing, but B2B marketing, but technology brands and B2B marketing. And they've made themselves so popular and won lots of awards. And now they're starting to expand out into other markets. But when you own that very small segment and do well in that, then you kind of earn your reputation and then you can start to expand out. But if you expand too soon, you know, there's no, it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Love it. So we've got the fuel stage. We've got the, the deep roots, the three deep roots. Let's jump into the trunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> See, I cut, you, I cut that tree off right at <clears throat> the bottom. The trunk, by the way, is um, that's, this, is the, this is where it starts to get very cool because this is where the world starts to see you. Mm-hmm. Because what you do is, you know, whenever you have a, you know, whenever a, a tree comes out of the ground, you know, that's the first time the world gets to see you suddenly appearing. But all this work's been going on underneath the ground, building the roots and getting the right uniqueness and all that thinking and and small testing. But actually, this is when the real world gets to see you and you have your website. Um, and I, I tend to build, um, I say with a trunk, it's um, 
yeah, it's your website. And it could be your retail store as well, but I really focus on the website because that's what most of my customers need. You know, that's that's where they run their business from. Yes. So we have, I actually split the website and so the trunk into three stages. So you have your design stage, if you like, which is actually the physical look and feel of it, which a lot of people forget about and just focus on the copy. Mm-hmm. But those are really, really important um, to um, to get right first because, you know, our, our brains are wired to senses, you know, there's the visual sense as well, obviously, but it's, um, it's really interesting that obviously all you know, in terms of um, video, um, I know you advocate video a lot, which is, which is really good. Um, but also people forget to put bits of video on there as well. You know, I've got the hamster on there at the moment yes. <laughs> on my website is very important, but um, yeah, so that's very important. And if you have a retail store as well, the senses uh, is something that's often overlooked. And one of the best retail stores in the UK is called Lush and they sell, as soon as you go in, they sell soap, but, what they do is they just hit you with an, an immense, um, immense uh, sort of. Um, I'm trying to think a load of smells that hit your nose. That's it's, not articulate way of saying. We have it down here in Australia as well, and mm. it is intense. <laughs> do they well do well in uh, in Australia? I actually don't know. That smell is actually so intense that I don't shop there. So <laughs> I've just oh, well, I've just proved myself wrong. No, 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 no. I think it's awesome because you, the visual I got straight away then, and the 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 sense, which is what you're talking about, mm. straight away. I just got it straight away. well but i i mean this is why i love them as a case study so when you're building your trunk and say it's not just online with websites but if you have a store yeah because they do the scents are just over the top you know they're great and um but they also visually you know there's colors everywhere and they play music as well Mm. you know you know that, that suits the mood and and of course there's what you have on a you know um it's, it's much better than a website uh, because, you know, you can get, get that rich depth. But I, um, I think, you know, as soon as, you, as soon as you start that trunk stage, the des- how you design it to the senses is really, really important. It's not just about copy. Mm. So, I, um, so I would, I really, you know, push clients to go for that. And then, of course, after that, you then get, um, you then need to start writing great copy. And then uh, essentially I split the, the site, the copy into two halves, the proposed part, you know, what problem are you solving? What's mm-hmm. your solution? And then, and then it's also people might not believe you, you know, what, what if you're just making it up? And that's when you need the proof stage, which is the second part. So case studies, testimonials, um, give, tell people, you know, why you're a risk or, you know, what's wrong with, you know, or what happens if things go wrong when you get your money back. So I think you need to split and design into what you're proposing and then give some proof to back it up. And then obviously a call to action at, at, at the end of it. And that's, that's the real trunk stage and that's the core. But all those that the, the trunk stage will be so much easier if you do stages one and two. But if you just jump straight into stage three, you're like, oh, well, hang on, what am I proposing? You know, what 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 is my solution? What, I haven't got any testimonials. So actually, phases one and two are so important to get all those core ingredients so your trunk is really strong. So you, to use like that nine and a half thousand year old tree in Finland, it's it's that same principle. And you know, as you're as you're talking about that, because I think a lot of people. You know, they're so eager to get going and do the exciting part, you know, get the website up or get the business cards or, you know, whatever it is that they forget about those roots. But if you really do think about that tree, if the roots were dead, the tree just would not, you know, it it might stand up for a week or something, but it is going to die and fall over. So it's so super important to get those bits right, the bits that you can't see. I remember a client saying to me once, oh, but I don't want to do that stuff. I just want to get to the fun stuff. But if you, and I've, I've never forgotten it, just the way they said, I just want to do the fun stuff. But, 
you know, do you want to be doing the fun stuff for a long time or do you want to be doing the fun stuff for a really short time because you've gone broke? Exactly. And I I think the fun stuff is stage one when you're just trying to find your fuel, you're trying to find your uniqueness and why you're, why you're, there's something unconventional about you. That's really exciting because a whole world of possibilities open up to you. And that's, that's way before you even start putting any money behind Facebook or Oh, like love it. And as a creative, you've just spoken my language. Totally love the fuel <laughs> stage. <laughs> it's good. But, you know, it's, it gets you out of bed in the morning. It tells, tells you know, you tell people why you do what you do. I mean, you know, that's, um, that's Simon Sinek all over, isn't it? It's, oh, and then you totally. get into the how and the what. <laughs> totally, totally. So, okay, so once we've got the trunk stage and we've got, we've got mm-hmm. this website started, we've got the design, we've got the, mm. did you call it propose? We've got the proof, the call to action. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. are we going next? Sure. So what, what we're doing next is we're then going to stage four. Now you've got to tell the world that you exist. It's not just your small, you know, not just your small segment necessarily. You want to tell more and more people. You might mm-hmm. have reach out to another segment, or it might be you've only reached one percent of your very small segment and you need to reach the other ninety-nine percent. So what you need to do is uh, a lot of people just go, right, let's put let's go and put something up on Facebook, anything. And actually this is the point where you've got to also do a bit more planning. You know, what channels would you like to use? What what messages, what ideas, what content, what formats, all, all that stuff. And you've got to just try and plan it month by month. And, you know, when you start out, especially with myself, I, I choose few channels because it helps me with my time. I, I, I'm more effective in fewer channels than mm-hmm. choosing lots. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I ask clients to plan out what, what they're going to do in each channel. And, you know, so say, for example, it's events, it's podcasts, and it's LinkedIn. That's a, that's a nice example. Mm-hmm. And you want to obviously sort out your frequency week by week and what content's going to go in there. But that sounds a bit like a typical content calendar. But what I, calendar, but what I like to do is um, it's a bit more what I call typical old, old school traditional Adland thinking. And uh, it's something that I'm seeing happen a lot more and more with a lot of effect. And especially when I look at a, a lot of case studies and work that I've done as well, is instead of having random posts or disconnected um, posts that are different themes every week, for example. Not that they don't work. I'm not saying they do, but Google might call it the hero content or they might even call it a bit of hub content where you're doing, you're having one theme that can last for three to six months or one to three months. And that theme can be based on something that really moves your customers. And it's not just something like, I need to rush out some content today because, you know, oh my God, my content calendar says I've got to get something out on a Tuesday and it's, it's you know, it's, it's 5, 5 p.m. and then it's got to go out at 6. That sort of rush thinking doesn't work for me. I don't think yeah. customers like it either. So um, I say forget the content calendar. Um, and just seriously, just, just think of one really, one really strong theme, talk to some customers, what really is bugging them in their worlds, use their own language, really talk to them. Don't just do it because a long, long tail keyword exists on some clever tool. Mm-hmm. Go and talk to them about what the hell that keyword means and unpack it and then turn that into a bit of content that you can stretch across a number of episodes, stretch across a number of LinkedIn posts, you know, whatever your format or events, whatever it might be, because that's going to have real impact. Um, and I, I try to get people to think about one theme at a time that they can stretch for one to three months. And when I look at the data about, I looked at the latest 2017 content effectiveness awards um, and there were some bigger brands in there, but there were some smaller ones, but the ones that really work are the ones that have whose content stretches, believe it or not, not just one or two months, but six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not just plugging out one random post or one random thing at a time. So, um, yeah, I, I push clients to do that at stage four, have one great idea, choose your channels, choose your formats and plan it out and be able to deliver on it. 
spoken by someone at Facebook as a story arc in mm. that you're mm. that, that same sort of idea of the theme is a story arc. So having that that same arc and creating lots of different content around the same theme. So it, it's mm. like an arc that, that goes over the top of a theme with all the different stories that actually create that same, you know, that same theme. I, I like that because it's going, it's going back to the great, what really made advertising work a long time ago before too many distractions of too many media channels came into play. And it's very powerful thinking and it's a shame to have lost it amongst all the noise. And the power of storytelling, it's how we learn yeah. um, and it, it's how we relate. So it's definitely a good idea to keep that, you know, in the, in the bank, thinking about telling stories rather than what I would call, you know, old school advertising. Yeah, it, it, it is. And I, I, but I, I don't think that's a, that's a problem at all because I think when you, I, I was reading um, another, another um, great article over the weekend. It's a, it's a book actually called Eat Your Greens and it's going back to the, the fundamentals of what works in 2018 um, marketing science. And the lady, um, the lady who, um, who worked for, I think, oh, I'm trying to remember the brand. I think it was something like, it was, might've been Coca-Cola she was referencing. She was just saying, that it's, she realizes that the work that gets the most effects for her, the most returns on her, her business is when she doesn't plug things out day in, day out. She actually has one consistent theme that goes out again and again. Just go for that less quality stuff. And that's very sort of traditional ad land thinking, you know, go for, go, go for less, but make that less quality piece of content that works stretch as much as possible. Because if you've got a great idea, if you've got really something unconventional to say, that should last for a long time. You know, it should mm. be able to stretch across a number of months. And I, I, I really buy into that. And I think things are starting to come full circle again because, you know, it, it doesn't matter how, if you've got a weak idea, you can chuck a load of money behind a three-legged horse, can't you? Yeah. But that horse isn't going to go fast. But you've got to have a great four, you know, you've got to have a great winner, first of all, and then put money behind it. You wouldn't mm. turn up to the races and back a bad horse. Yeah. So have a great idea first and then put money behind it. I'm loving that. And I'm thinking from what I'm hearing, having that unique idea, is also mm. part of that that brand route that you talked about mm. back in step two, that tone of voice being unique to you um, and having, mm. I guess, that, that pattern interrupt or that cut through in mm. that what you're talking about is different or in a different way that everyone else is talking about. Exactly. That's right. And I think this, you know, you're, that's a great, you know, the great phrase we're using, you know, the pattern, pattern interrupt is that starts all the way right, right, right back at the beginning. So, yeah, I mean, if we're talking about how, which I am, you know, how to interrupt customers' brains, um, you know, through this pattern interrupt and stop them going to the competition, it all starts with the idea. You know, it all starts with the idea because it just doesn't just, it just motivates you and it, you just get so much from it, you know, when it's a really rich idea, it all comes from that. And that all comes really from talking to the customer because, I mean, personally, to go off at a slight tangent, I, I think that when you, when you don't talk to a customer, there's so much you make up in your own head that could be far, far off what's really relevant or motivating to people. But, you know, just go and sit through with another human being in a cafe, have a, have, a, have a cup of coffee and some cake, talk with a customer, just listen to what their world is about and mm. what problems they have. And then sometimes I'll just say this phrase or this nugget of a golden nugget of a phrase. You think, Oh my gosh, you know, that that's it. Right. Why didn't I put it that way? Because now I see it completely differently. Mm. And that comes from com conversation. And I think there's a lot to be said for the, you know, the art of um, the art of conversation. So, um, you know, I think relying on keywords and, you know, and buzz are all fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those. I think they're very good, 
but I think you need to have that richness behind to really unpack what that what that meaning is. And when you do that, you can then get a really rich idea that can stretch across a number of months. And you know, it's not just theory. I know I've I've done it. I've worked yeah. with worked with clients many times, and it's a very powerful thing. And it just excites you, and it's a real pleasure to work when it's like that. Yeah, and it is it's exciting as a uh, as someone that's devouring that content too, because it is mm. something different and. You know, that's certainly the idea that I got when I went on your website too. It's like, wow, you do. It's almost like, it's almost like crack cocaine. Not that I've, I've ever taken cocaine, but you know, it was like, I needed more and more because it was so different. Oh well, that's that's very kind of you to say. I mean, it's um, I, funny enough, the the idea of interrupting customers and interrupting their brain and the hamster on the wheel is that the um, that came purely from a conversation with somebody. You know, I was I was talking with my business mentor, funnily enough, and I was saying, oh, you know, I'm updating my website and it's about this, and and I said, um, you know, my brain's going to be spinning a lot tonight thinking about how to do something different. He said, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. You know, <laughs> just the idea of the brain spinning. And I thought, how yes. does that connect to my customers and and actually, there's um, uh, it was just from a random conversation, and then I realised that one of the most interesting videos I've ever seen, um, uh, it's on YouTube. It's by a guy called um, called C Max Solari. Now, it's S A L R I, and he has a site. Oh, his YouTube channel is actually called Everyday Lives, mm-hmm. and he has this whole video that's from 2007, and it's called the Four Step Selection Process. And what it does is he he watches people, he watches them shop. Sorry, oh. <laughs> he watches. People shop and he will just he, instead of asking him any questions he'll play back the videos again and again and again and again and you know he found that when people buy an autopilot they they it's very difficult to interrupt them but they go through these four clear stages you know you you approach the fixture you know you, you might buy your bread people hold a reference point in their hand they compare the breads and if it's and then they put something in their basket and as they're walking away everyone checks over their shoulder and it's the same if you buy a car as well it's just a much slower process and if you want to interrupt people's autopilot you've got to be have something very unconventional something very noticeable um, on the shelf on the supermarket shelf to make you buy your bread and not the same old same old bread you've always bought because your mum's bought it you know and you just do it without thinking so I think it's a really interesting territory yeah wow that's super interesting Cool. So we've got this great idea. We, we're getting our content out on the channels. We've got our frequency. We're in a zone. What's the last mm. stage? Ah, yes. Yeah. So actually, last last part of stage four is where you hit the go button. You've got all your oh. stuff on, yeah. and you hit the go. That's the very last thing. And the world sees it, and you think, wonderful, wonderful. And then you, and then sometimes lots comes in, and sometimes nothing. <laughs> Not much comes in. And uh, I mean, you know, we've all been there on the on the downsides, and we've been there on the upsides. Um, but what's what's really important is that you um, is that once you've actually done it, you, you measure it. And I, I can't tell you how many large and small businesses I work with who just simply don't don't measure. And then when they do, they don't know how to relate that to sales. And and it's it's so important to see what's working, and what's not. So the stage five is what I call is is the is is the reap stage. So stage four is where you send out all your marketing, all this, the, the seeds into the world are scattered in your customers' gardens. You've got to see what actually has grown. In there so that's where you kind of I call, I call it reaping it's kind of when you measure what's actually worked or not you reap what you sow that's the that's the idea totally um, I was having a conversation yes. with someone just earlier today and uh, we were talking about measuring so many people just don't measure you know what's mm. working what's not how could like looking at the data how can we make mm. this better yes I mean it that's <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right and I, I think a lot of it is 
is is to do with because it, it it's quite a scary thing you know when people say you know let let's look how does a like convert to a to a qualified lead how does a you know how does a linkedin share convert to a sale you know what what's the impact and it is it is actually it's quite daunting at first but it's really not so in state in my the final stage five of it what i ask clients to do is to separate these um whatever metrics they're capturing down into what i call soft measures so that's the attitudinal stuff the facebook likes uh things that um that go on in people's heads or even survey results you know are you aware of my my company for example mm-hmm. mm. i'll say 10 in your area are aware of your company it's the very soft stuff but that's far far removed from sales and then the second stage is the, the the second one is the hard what i call the hard behavioral metrics so those hard you know the hard stuff like website visitors you might you know how many how many website visitors did you get actual physical actions you know how many uh-huh. people entered your you know how many people clicked the like um clicked through in your email and you know went through to your site and how many people then downloaded the white paper or whatever it is you might be selling so real sort of behavior led stuff and then the last one is is the thing that the area that's closest to sales so obviously that's revenue that's net profit you take into account any retailer margins that you might actually have because people forget to take in the fact that you know the store will charge you 12 12 and a half percent for stocking your product for example mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your net profit at the end but what you then can see was when you put your soft your hard and your sales um, metrics you can then see um, channel by channel how many like if you know if you had a million likes on something but only a few a few visitors to your website in about one sale you'll probably think well what i did was i would look really popular but i, I didn't i don't actually have a business right <laughs> which is a lot of people think you know it's, it is about being popular when it's not it's about trying to drive a business and i know f- being famous does drive sales and i completely get that yeah but some people think it's just about being popular and getting likes on instagram but it's that you want you can see that journey through from this from the attitudinal soft stuff all the way through to the behaviors through to the final sales and that's an important picture to, to see and then you can start really analyzing the data and seeing what's working channel mm. by channel month by month year by year and it's um it's it doesn't have to be complicated it's quite mm. simple you just need a spreadsheet and a you know and a few cell boxes filled in yeah, I love that you talked about, uh, you know, it's not just about having fans. I was um, speaking with my clients. I was in Seattle just recently and we went to Pike Place nice. Market, which is uh, for anyone, or I don't know if you know or if anyone doesn't know, it's um, at the right at the entrance of Pike Place Market, there's a, um, a seafood seller uh, and they're quite famous in that they have a, a whole performance of they throw the fish, they sing, they slap the fish, they kiss the fish, and there's a whole a whole marketing plan around this. And I'd first heard about this because um, there was a, a training program on how to create great customer engagement, and you know, so I wanted to go see it in person. Anyway, what was really interesting to me was we went there, and it was by far the most popular place in the market. There's tourists everywhere. There's people videoing, taking pictures. We all just want to see the the fish being thrown and, you know, see the whole production that they put together. But the funny thing was they weren't actually doing that many sales. Just about three doors down, there was another fish market where you could see all the locals were going or the locals would just go in, they would buy their fish, they would get out and they were serving the customers really fast. And that to me was just such a huge you know, eye-opening, you know, when you look at it, that one place is really popular. It was actually mm-hmm. almost going against 
well, it was going against them making more sales where the real customers were like, no, we just want to go get our fish and get out of here. So, um, yeah, just thought that that was a bit of an interesting story to add to that. Uh, no, it's, yeah, it's very, very true. I mean, we've even had, um, I've worked with charity clients who have, um, who have done things that have, you know, got a lot of attention, but a lot of shares, but actually they don't necessarily convert likes don't necessarily convert into donations. You know, they don't convert into dollars because, you know, there's no, there's no journey thought out and there's no understanding of actually the, the journey or the real customer goes on. But yeah, it's, um, it's very easy to get attention actually on, on the, on the slight side tangent of markets, you know, if, um, in London, there's a borough market, which I, um, I don't know if you, you know about or any of your listeners do, but it's a hugely, hugely popular market right in the center of London, uh, just near London bridge. And they have lots and lots of, um, you know, lots of people walking around and there's one restaurant that sells pasta that every lunchtime is just queues and queues. And you look around at all the other, the other stalls and they don't have as many queues. And what's so interesting is when they're actually marketing themselves, what they do is they have this incredible scarcity about, um, about the food you can buy. So they say, um, queue up in, queue up in line. You're going to have about a 10 to 20 minute wait. Oh, and, our, and that's because our chef can only cook a certain amount of pasta at, at one time, just because that allows them to great, get great quality in the pasta he makes and people will waste minutes of their not even wow. waste, they will spend and but you know it's because you the customer have to work to get yes. the product yeah and i think that's a wonderful psychology rather than just being too available to everyone you're like you're like no no these are my rules and if you don't like it that's fine i love it i love it i love it <laughs> and i really like that these uh, what you said that these five stages is actually the customer mm. journey. So when you really break it down, mm. the journey that you're taking the customer on to make sure that they do choose you over your competitors. Well, and, and that, that's true. And what actually happens at the end of these five stages is often, especially when you're, you know, starting up, you realize that not many people have actually chosen you. Or a lot, and that happens a lot because you put in, you might have not chosen the right idea. I mean, obviously, with the clients I work with, I would, would, ne- would never certainly say that. But <laughs> lots of people who come, <laughs> who come to me might get to that point where they're like, you know, a lot of people just go straight to stage four, you know, and just go, that you don't even plan. They just press the go button. I've got a business idea. Here's a, um, and I'm just going to press go. They might put up a, you know, website over a weekend and they go, oh, well, no one's paying attention to me. Well, that's because you've got a bit like a typewriter. You go all the way through quickly, those stages, one, two, three, four, five, you press the go button, you see nothing's worked and you have to go all the way back to stage one. And it's an inevitability that the, the quicker, the more you rush through those stages, the quicker you have to go back to stage one. And I find that actually with, with clients that I work with, they just go, I just need it to work today. I need my business to work today. And, you know, I, I'm not a huge believer in hacks because they're a bit like plastering over the, you know, the fundamentals. Be patient. You've got to be patient because you've got to realize you go through five stages, you put it out there, you see what works, you see what doesn't. And then you, like a typewriter, goes bing, and you go all the way back to the beginning again was my uniqueness right in the first place you know was my is my fuel absolutely right you know is this do customers even like it and that's so important you know to to go back to stage one and then you go back to stage two am i really understanding my customers do i need to target more segments is my brand looking right is my product right and then stage three is actually my website converting when people have actually been on the page and then you go through these stages again and again and then you come back but what happens every time you go through up to the end of the typewriter and ping straight back it slows down and you get more quality focus and you really start to build a brand, not just somebody who's trying to get a quick sale. And, you know, when you look at figures about 
you know how you know how brands really grow those who chase short-term sales the line goes up and down up and down up and down every month you know make sales you don't make sales you make sales you don't make sales but when you start to invest in brand and invest in trust and actually building these stages over time what really happens you know you really do generally start to interrupt customers brain uh, brains and usually after about a year year to three you then start to see that real return in that investment in time um, in building a brand and not just chasing short-term sales and it's you know it's lovely to see but you have to be patient but you know if people are serious about being in business and they want it you know and they want to last for a long time you have to invest it's like putting money into a bank account you can take out the returns tomorrow and it'll be small but it will be something or you can take it out in one to three years time and it will be big and it'll have a bigger impact on your life mm. so yeah yeah love that and yeah, give your what you know. What I was hearing was give yourself permission to go through and to uh, like you know quickly and change it up. And I think that's really wise mm. advice because you you're not just going to come up with an idea and have it work straight away. Well, I've never met anyone yeah. that's been able to do that. No, <laughs> it takes years. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of time, and there is a lot of testing and measuring going on. And <clears throat> you know, sometimes at the beginning of the journey, we can look up to the big brands and think, oh. You know, like they've got it, but you don't know how many times they've tweaked and changed and, you know, it's the 10-year the overnight success, isn't it? <laughs> it's so it's so true and i you know and and personally i you know i have a family who i you know i you know adore and uh, to work weekends i mean i do work weekends which i shouldn't at times but i don't work too much uh, but to work late evenings and not see them i think well you know I, I could have got there you know got to where i want to go quicker but what's the point in that i mean i, I th you know you, there, there'll be other factors that slow you down apart from just getting your business right as so outside of work you know it's what's really important to you and you know i i don't want to be 70 or 80 and not seeing my you know look back and think well i didn't i, I got a <laughs> i got a business done much quicker than i hoped but actually i tell you what i didn't see my family mm. i know which one's more important to me so yeah there are other factors that will slow you down but um totally you've got to be human about it Absolutely, and and be very aware of what's important to you. Mm, mm, the bold idea. So. How mm. I'd love to just really quickly, because I know we're we're running out of time, and I know it's it's probably time for you to get some breakfast because it's so early there. <laughs> it's, it's, fine. <laughs> it's fine. Quickly tap in. How do we come up, or do you have some tips? How can we come up with something that's a really bold idea that's going to help us stand out? Yeah, um, do you know I uh, I've I've got a book out called um, it's called the Science of Getting Chosen, and I say what makes it really unique is it's built on rage because that's where you start. At least that's where I start, and I meet a lot of people who do start and meet a lot of people who do start their businesses. But when they start with this idea of rage, that when you want to do something, you go into your marketplace and you think what is wrong with what's being done at the moment? Mm -hmm. And I, I find what's really helpful is if you, you know, and you could, you could start a coffee shop. Let's use that analogy again. Mm -hmm. You know, you could go out to a coffee shop and you could see what your competitors are doing. And, you know, you're passionate about coffee and you might write down 10 things about, you know, what, what the competition is doing wrong. But when you look at that list, there'll be often there's just, it's the first thing you write down as well. It will, you, you can give a sort of a rage rating out of 10 to all the things on your list. And often it's the first thing you write down. You might put a 10 against about what the competition is doing wrong. And you feel, you know, I've got to write that wrong. 
and and I think that's the most wonderful place to start. So uh, that's how I did it with my business. You know, I I thought what what is the the wrong that needs to be to be righted? And for me, it's this sort of very what I call highly a lot of highly dubious advice. Um, you know, when you're talking about people get rich quick schemes online, and I thought that was that was really wrong. So that's why I went into business. That's my real that that was my rage rating. That was ten out of ten. On my on my list so i start with what's wrong then what do you want to change and then how are you going to change it and it's those three questions and when you get to the how you don't you, you feel less angry you actually feel highly enthusiastic so you go start with rage and then you get more positive and you think oh great you know this is how i'm going to change it and how you change it is is more of a long-winded um process because you've got to actually choose you know how you know something very very specific and i think when you get to when you get to how you're going to change it, you, you need to find some sort of magic trick there as well. So, for example, if you just want to create you know better service with your coffee and how you're going to do that is have more staff there every day, that's not really enough. But if you look at what Starbucks did, their magic trick was to write people's names on the coffee cups, right? <laughs> and to, to get really specific in how you're going to do it because your how has to relate to your genuine real-world services and processes when, you, when your customer then meets you and sees how you are different and how you are unique, they have to be able to see that you have a process that brings to life your unique. So with Starbucks, it wasn't just about great service. We just say it's about, you know, we do better services. They have coffee cups with names on it. I mean, of course, they, they take it further as well. You know, you've got guest books as well when you go in um, as well, which you can write in people, even the, even the baristas call you out by name. But um, it's a really, really nice. You have to be very specific when you get to that house stage because it makes it concrete. Um, and I have one client, for example, at the moment who's got this wonderful travel uh, website, which is um, which is launching. And um, what it does is he instead he takes on the entire he's taking on the entire world. Um, he's taking on the entire online business where you search for a tr- great holiday. You only you get too many. And what he's doing is he hand selects only the best one and goes into incredible detail why that um, you know about about why that is. And he only selects I think about twenty two. And that's and he will specifically tell you about that process, and it's really nice. It's a very powerful thing, and it and it makes you credible and stand out, and it gets you out of bed in the morning and excited. Love it, love it, and yeah, totally stand out. Love that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now I believe that you've got a free gift for our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, of course. So the the free gift it's um it's actually called um called the wasp trap funnily enough and it's all about how to write your first five lines your opening copy of your your website and to stop customers leaving immediately and it really focuses on stage three of the process so when i was talking about the proposed stage it's the very it's one very small part element of that um and it's the, the summary copy that goes right at the top of your of your site and how to actually write that and there are eight ingredients into it it's completely completely free obviously and it's a it's a really it, it's about five thousand wor- wor- words worth of um of a real analysis and real um it, what it does is it gives you the skill to be able to create your first five lines and those five lines are so important otherwise people just bounce off your website because they don't really get what you stand for and you've got to give it to them immediately and so yeah it's there on my on my website thebrainwheel.com so please yes have a look download it it's um it's a very good piece of work Definitely. And we'll put the link in the show notes. And yeah, that, that first five lines in your website is so important because people mm. generally will come onto your website and they'll make a decision within three to, I think max is like seven seconds of whether you're going to stay. So people are leaving your website before they've even been on there for 10 seconds. So um, yeah, grab a copy of the Wasp Trap. I've had a look. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. That's really great. <laughs> 
It's been great talking to you today, Simon, about your brain wheel approach. It's really cool. I really love it. I love what you're about. Uh, and thanks for taking it th- uh, taking us through that process so that our listeners can, you know, ha- make sure that our customers choose them. Awesome. Thanks so much, Simon. So thank you so much. Been a real pleasure. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders Inner Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.